High in the air, Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode number 195 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I'm Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. Andy, the Cincinnati Reds took 195 at-bats against the San Francisco Giants this year. That uh, didn't work out. Wow, exactly 195? Exactly 195. Can we do some more? Wow, let's have some more Reds-Giants baseball this year. We could The Tommy Pham-Jock Peterson story could never die. The Giants <laughs> could just lose series after series. Fans could just gnash their teeth on Twitter all the time, and we'd have to mute our mentions. It'd be so much fun. Uh, I muted my mentions back in 2021, about uh, about February or so. Should I not have done that? Um, well, I muted my mentions in 2016, so you know, yeah, it's it's fine, it's fine. The, the world's a better place without uh, if you mute your mentions. All right, so we, I guess we have to talk about the Reds and the Giants and the Giants. I think the main takeaway from this series is it's not new, but it's confirmation that the Giants are capable of playing exquisitely bad baseball in a way that we just didn't see last year. Just they can have stretches of some of the worst baseball you've ever seen. I don't remember more than two games in a row last year where they had anything like this. Yeah, I, I love the fact that you juxtapose exquisite with bad um, <laughs> and because that's what it was. It was beautifully bad. Um, mm. And, you know, it's uh, I think it's times like these that they pay us to have perspective and mm. share our perspective with the masses because, you know, I'm seeing thought bubbles out there that's like, they should DFA everyone, tear it down. They obviously aren't any good this year. And it's like, I remind people of one thing that kind of makes my point very quickly, which is in 2010, the Giants were in fourth place in the NL West at the All-Star break. That team is the team that won a World Series, the first one in San Francisco Giants history. So, no, you you don't punt on the 30-yard line, your opponent's 30-yard line. There's six playoff spots in the National League. There's realistically just eight teams that are vying for them. One of them has Bryce Harper, who just is out for the season, basically. So... No, the Giants are not going to, you know, give up. They just had a bad series and they've got a lot of flaws and we've talked about them all year and maybe they'll be able to rectify some of them. But yeah, I don't, as frustrating as this team can be to watch, sometimes they they obviously are still in a fairly decent position as they sort of knew they would be. I am cognizant of what I write and the tone with which I write. And generally, like if I'm going through my history, uh, the articles I've been writing have been, they don't, they're not, uh, wildly optimistic, but they have a tone of, okay, the Giants actually have strong center field defense. Tyro Estrada is better than you think. Uh, the Giants beat the Pirates, which is a good excuse to appreciate Luis Gonzalez. And that's not because I want to be uh, just a Pollyanna and I want to say, oh, rah, rah, rah. But it's because I don't think there's a lot to, I just don't think there's a lot to unearth by deciding the Giants are awful right now. I still think they have good bones. I still think that they have something going for them. I still think they have a chance. They're still six games over 500. They're not where uh, the White Sox are. They're not where the Angels are. I still think that there might be something there that the plan might work, but I just don't know what utility there would be in saying, 
This team is awful. Here's why they're awful. Here's specific, like Brandon Crawford is not an MVP. He might be an LVP. I just don't see the utility in that right now. I just, it, it seems like this team doesn't deserve that yet. Yeah, uh, they do have exquisite bones, as you mentioned. <laughs> um, you know what, though? I, I was thinking as I was watching the game uh, on, on Sunday, and two things struck me. One was Anthony DiSclefani got, you know, kind of picked apart after some bad luck. There was a foul ball that was like an inch foul that would have gotten him out of the inning. Um, but, uh, you know, then obviously it's a seven run inning and it was really, really ugly. And there were tons of misplays and mental mistakes behind him. I, two weeks ago, I was collecting a whole bunch of stuff for a feature about how Austin Slater has turned himself into this, this awesome defensive outfielder <laughs> and he's played terrible outfield ever since. So that's kind of like a cutting room floor material for the moment. But anyway, so they th- finishes this inning or doesn't even finish the inning. And he walks off and there's like about, I don't know, 150, 200 Giants fans all politely clapping, uh, sitting above the Giants dugout, all politely clapping as he walks back. And it's like, there's nowhere else in baseball where that happens. I mean, even in St. Louis, where they have the nicest fans in the world, they don't clap for a, a, a pitcher who's handing over the baseball down 7 nothing in the middle of the third. And then, you know, it's it's the seventh inning and they string a couple hits together, a run crosses the plate. And it's like it's like they just scored the tying run. I mean, it was there were still a lot of fans there, um, and they were loud. They were into it. Um, they were enthusiastic, and that run made it a ten to two game. <laughs> and it's like I just thought, you know what? I wonder if the Giants are just kind of they have this right. They have this core of fans. Are they taking it for granted that these fans will always be here and that they don't need to do anything more to? You know, make the product better for everybody else to attract more fans because they're drawing fewer fans this year than they were in 2019 when they had their third straight losing season. And there's a whole bunch of reasons for that. There's, I mean, we're not out of the pandemic yet. A lot of people haven't moved back to the city. Uh, parking is worse than it's ever been. Inflation, you know, uh, is cutting out everyone's discretionary spending. There's a bunch of reasons why it's challenging. But, you know, they should have gotten some momentum, right? When they won 107 games last year. And I think we trust the process, trust the process, trust the process. And we should, because this is a very smart front office. They will find a way to win probably 88 to 92 games, uh, you know, by piecing it together. But do you owe your fans more than that? Do you owe them a little more entertainment value? I kind of think that that's where a lot of the fan angst is coming from. Not just, oh, we, we have a terrible team, but we don't have an entertaining team. For about the last two, three decades, I've been trying to figure out a way to to split the hair or uh, thread the needle where, A, free agents are inherently bad investments. Free agents will always disappoint you. Free agents are typically more Barry Zito than Barry Bonds. And then on the other side, free agents are exciting. They get your fans going. They get you going. They get you uh, up to watch the game. They get you out to the ballpark. They get you to turn your TV on. Both things can be true. And I'm just not sure how to square that circle because I do feel like there was something left on the table this offseason when they had some room. I do think this team bringing running it back sounds like a good idea until when you run it back, it's not the best product and they're playing silly baseball. They're not necessarily just playing. They're not losing one run games. They're playing some of the dumbest baseball they've played in a couple of years. Uh, so running it back is a bad business decision when it doesn't work. And there's something to the idea of maybe there just could have been something. Maybe even if Trevor's story weren't hitting as well as as everyone had hoped, there would have been the potential, well, maybe he'll turn it around. Maybe that's the deadline acquisition in secret. He's going to be the guy to help the Giants get over that hill. And there's something to that. I'm not sure where the line is between free agents 
free agents are bad investments and free agents are exciting, but I think the Giants could air a little bit more on, hey, let's get some excitement going for the fans. Yeah, and I, I think one thing that sort of matters is what kind of needle you're trying to thread. I mean, if you're the Tampa Bay Rays, that's a little tiny needle hole and you can't <laughs> put very much thread through that thing at all. But the Giants, they can make mistakes. They, they can have carry some bad contracts. They have tons of flexibility right now. And, um, you know, it, it, both present and future, they have their, their smallest opening day payroll since 2013. Uh, they, I think they rank behind the Brewers in, in, in payroll this year. And, you know, as I mentioned in a piece I wrote after the game on a Sunday, you know, they, they are spending money. They just spent $70 million on a brand new state-of-the-art minor league complex. That's a huge investment in their future. Uh, you know, they, they are spending money in ways that are, you know, a little bit less obvious or indirect. Um, but you know, they, they, their big signing was Carlos Rodon and that basically was, was reallocating Buster Posey's salary from what, that he walked away from. Um, they didn't bring back Kevin Gossman. They didn't sign someone like Trevor Story when, you know, infield defense has been a problem for a pitching staff that thrives on ground balls and weak contact and is doing its job, uh, in that respect. And now they don't have anyone to play behind Brandon Crawford. They've got Tyro Estrada playing out of position, Donovan Walton as his only backup. And it means you've got Wilmer Flores at second base and, or Tommy Lastella if he can possibly, you know, uh, drag himself out there. So, you know, yeah, they, they've, they should be in a better position and they could be, I think, if they'd made some more moves in the offseason. And for all the people who out there criticize them for not doing enough, they haven't run out of, uh, of of material yet. I mean, and they might be proven to be right. So, um, you know, I guess that's an acknowledgement that, um, you know, maybe the Giants just overall as an organization have been too conservative. And I don't mean politically conservative because that goes in obvious directions, but um, just just a little too conservative in, in everything, in, in how they approach uh, marketing to fans and how the game day experience is, which seems like it's 20 years old, uh, to, you know, how, how they're thinking about making – Super, super rational player decisions because like like uh, the quote that's been thrown around a ton, I think it was Andrew Friedman who said, if you are rational about every free agent, you will finish third on every free agent. Well, the Giants are probably going to have to be irrational. Maybe it's with Aaron Judge or maybe it should have been with Kevin Gossman. I don't know. But uh, I think that uh, we haven't seen them be irrational yet and they probably need to be at some point. Well, let me play Farhan's advocate here because he has spoken to this point where it's not necessarily that they're worried about looking bad at the end of a contract or they're worried about a player who is at the end of a multi-year deal and not performing as, as well as he was when he signed the deal. But it's more about uh, opportunities for younger players as they develop. Luis Gonzalez this year is a perfect example. He had a spot with uh, injuries and he was able to slot right in. And right now, if you're looking at all of the Giants in the upper minor leagues, all of the Giants uh, in the organization who maybe have earned enough to des uh, deserve a promotion, who have done enough to deserve a promotion, David Villar is probably at the top of the list. He's got an OPS over 1,000 in Sacramento, but he's blocked by someone making a ton of money, a veteran who is there doing okay, Evan Longoria. You know, he's he's been hot lately, but he is right there. You cannot move him. It's a bad move for the clubhouse. It's probably a bad move uh, logistically, strategically. You can't move him for David VR, even if you think maybe that is the answer for whatever ails the Giants. And if you start signing a bunch of guys to major deals or even two, three-year deals uh, for around the position, around the lineup, 
uh, you might be blocking the next guy who surprises, whether it's one year, two year down the road, who could help you a little bit more than that uh, mid-tier, upper mid-tier free agent. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because that is a very, very important point to make because that's you want to enhance the skills that you're good at, right? Like the, the pitching staff is really good at, at getting weak contact. So you want to make sure you have a really good infield defense. Well, one of the skills this front office has is, as we've seen again and again, whether it's Mike Yastrzemski, Luis Gonzalez, go down the list, is finding you know value uh, at the margins and finding people who have been blocked and haven't gotten an opportunity and coaching them up and giving them that runway and uh, and that's how you you find uh, value that way. I mean, you know, we see that they had what forty seven home runs out of first base last year. I mean, that's basically they they had Vlad Guerrero Jr. production. Out of first base, they didn't have a Vlad Guerrero Jr. they could market, but that's the kind of production they got out of Lamont Wade Jr. when Darren Ruff was over there and Brandon Belt. So, I mean, yeah, there's there's more than one way to get it done. And uh, and I think to your point, uh, that does make it tough when you um, have guys that are immovable, that maybe you are sort of obligated to throw one bad investment of playing time after another bad investment of a, um, a big contract for someone who's declining. And that's something that they've wanted to stay away from. And but I, I do think when that when you operate that way, a hundred percent of the time, um, and you don't at least have one or two big bets somewhere, um, then I think it's hard to capture the fan base. It's hard to capture the marketplace. And um, you know, it's it's uh, it'll be interesting to see if at what point organizationally, you know, there are people from across the the departments that that go to baseball operations and say, look, we need some more sizzle. <laughs> so give us some sizzle. Find us some sizzle. Give us some. The spice must flow. The spice must flow. I will say I will have a, a, a rebuttal to my own Farhan's advocate uh, to free agency insofar as the pitching, because you have five rotation slots when you had the Giants had four open rotation slots to play with this free agency. And I feel like there is more room there to take a bigger swing on someone like Kevin Gosman rather than, listen, they did spend money. They spent money on Alex Wood and Desclafani and uh, Alex Cobb wasn't exactly cheap, even it was a short term deal. But I think that the rotation is where you can take a bigger swing on someone like a Max Scherzer, someone like a Kevin Gosman. And if it doesn't work, well, you know, you're not necessarily worried about finding room for guys who need playing time. If Sean Jelly were lighting up Sacramento, the Giants would figure out a way to get him starts in the major leagues. If Kyle Harrison blitzes his way to the major leagues next year, they'll find a place for him. That's the benefit of having five rotation slots. Uh, so there is a little bit of room to take those bigger swings. I think with the rotation, the Giants are doing good stuff with finding offensive talent, scoring runs with whatever they can scrounge up. The rotation is where I would like to see them take more Rodon-sized swings and try and connect. Well, and, you know, they certainly were active. I mean, they got Jacob Junis, they got Matt Boyd, but I think this is something you're working on now where they are with their starting pitching depth and maybe they're at a point where they've kind of exhausted it. And Anthony DiSclefani obviously has not looked good in two starts since he's come back. And, you know, he basically has given them almost nothing in the first year of a, a pretty big three-year contract. So where where do you analyze the Giants are from a sort of pitching depth standpoint? And, and do you think that the rotation becomes perhaps priority number one now at the uh, when the trade deadline gets closer. It could be because what the Giants have been good at is they're not worried about cost certainty. That is where they have excelled at. They will take 
Alex Wood, when he's been hurt and he's coming off a, a season where his ERA's in the fives, because they liked what he did in the World Series, and they say, this guy, this guy can do it. They're not so worried about Anthony DiScofani having an ERA in the nines with his last season with the Reds. Um, they're saying, no, he's a better pitcher than that. We're not worried about the cost certainty here. We think he's still got it, and last year they were rewarded. I just don't think that a team can bat a thousand with that sort of mentality. I think they've been very good at it. I think it's been, they've been very cagey, but you need to kind of buttress this with some cost certainty somewhere, whether it's Max Scherzer, whether it is with Gossman, whether it's someone who said you say, yeah, he's going to be a stinker three years down the road, four years down the road. But I'll tell you what, for next year, there's something there. There's something that is going to give the Giants a, a big leg up uh, when it comes to their peers in their starting pitching. And that, I think there's got to be a little bit of a mix. There's got to be, they can still chase the Alex Cobbs. Like, I, I still think Alex Cobb is, is a success story. I, I'm looking past the ERA. I'm looking at his stuff. I'm looking at how he's pitching. I think they nailed it. I think he will pitch better throughout, or his results will be better for the rest of the season. But there needs to be just, instead of that middle tier with Desclafani, maybe that's where you take a swing for someone just a little bit bigger, a little bit more likely to push their way into, well, we want this guy starting game one or game two of the World Series kind of conversation. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, I think Alex Cobb and Alex Wood, those are guys that um, can go through a lineup twice and really shut it down and, and strike a lot of batters out. And, you know, DiScofani, I don't think is that same type of pitcher. He's a guy who's, I think his value comes in what he does for you in bulk. And those don't seem to be the pitchers that are as valuable in the game anymore. So, um, you know, I, I think that if you were to second guess any of the um, pitching contracts that they handed out, that probably would be the one you'd pick. Although, in fairness to them, you know, they had, got, they had the lockout kind of bearing down on them, and they had one starting pitcher in the rotation. They had Logan Webb and Tumbleweeds. And I always remember Brian Sabian uh, saying, you know, you got to start somewhere. You got to just get someone in there because every other free agent is going to leverage you to death when they look at you and they see that you have one starting pitcher, right? They're like, this is a desperate team. They are desperate to sign some people. And so I think they, you know, they had someone who was internal who wanted to come back. They were able to, to knock out that deal quickly. And I think they felt like they needed to have a placeholder in there. And and uh, they felt good enough about his stuff and the seam shifted wake and all the other stuff. So, um, you know, I, I do understand why they got that deal done. But it just obviously doesn't look very good right now. Um, and I, I do think that when they look at um, kind of risk aversion or, you know, the safe play, I do think that you take someone who's got a, a shaky health his history like a Wood or a Rodon, and I think it's easier for you to look at where they are at this moment and predict what they can do within the next year or two than it is to take a perfectly healthy pitcher, you know, like a, a Kevin Gossman, for example, and be able to predict out what he's going to do in year five. So I think that's sort of the way they've gone about their pitching contracts. And and, and yeah, I, I agree. They, they probably needed to take a little bit of a bigger swing. With Desclafani, I don't want to pick on him because I see what the thinking was there. The Giants are built around not uh, starters going six, seven innings. They are built around uh, just a, a quantity of quality innings. And they were they needed their relievers to pitch a lot of those innings. And they knew they were going to be stretching their bullpen. That's just how the team is built. And so what they needed was they have your you have your web, you have your Rodon, guys who can start in the, the first couple games of a playoff series. You have uh, Alex Wood. You know what you're going to get from him. Alex Cobb is is going to be a pretty solid pitcher. Uh, you, you have some uh, assumptions there. 
with Desclafani, what they're looking for is that Jeff Samarja role, that guy who is not going to tax your bullpen. He is going to go out. He's not going to be someone you necessarily want to have starting against the Dodgers in the NLDS. He is going to be the guy who is not going to blow it up for your bullpen when your bullpen's a little gassed. Here comes old Desclafani to come out and throw six innings, maybe even seven innings. He made 31 starts last year. He made 31 starts in the year before the pandemic. He's generally good for 30 starts. That's the idea. But when he's not making those 30 starts, when he's hurt, when he's ineffective, when he's the one putting pressure on a bullpen and taxing them, that's when it looks really bad because that it's the exact opposite of what he's supposed to do, why he's making this money. He is not supposed to be a burden. He's supposed to be the pitcher easing the burden. And that's why it looks so bad. Yeah, that's a, I think that's a really, really good way to characterize it. So I don't think I have anything more to say about the rotation. Do you? No, I mean, I just, it's so obvious that that is the difference, the main difference between this year's team and last year's team. I know that there's stuff with the the lineup and there's, there's the injuries and there's the solo home runs and there's all these different things and, and points to quibble with. But for me, it's the rotation and the bullpen. I, I actually, I said it was the bullpen last time. So I guess I, this, I go back and forth between the bullpen and into the rotation, but I don't know. It's just, it's a team that is not what they were last year. And we knew that. We knew they weren't going to be the same team as last year. It's just jarring to actually see it play out. And they're still over 500. They're still in contention for a postseason spot. I don't know what I was expecting. It's just funny when it happens and you're watching it. Yeah. I mean, the the rotation is still sixth in the major leagues in uh, wins above average. I mean, it's, they're still getting a lot of really good production from Radon, uh, from Logan Webb. Um, I mean, the bullpen obviously had a really, really bad month of May and has had a couple stinkers in June. And that's where the biggest year over year difference is. Um, but I, to me, I think it's, it's, it's defense. I, that, that's the biggest one. They're just not catching the ball. They're making way too many um, avoidable mistakes. And maybe some of that goes back to having the shortened spring training. I know, um, uh, you know, talking to Brandon Crawford, he thought that thinks the number one difference for him this year is not being able to talk to the coaches, not being able mm. to work out at uh, the Giants complex. And, he, and I mean, he still worked out, obviously. He still did everything he could from a preparation standpoint. I mean, I, I, I kind of don't understand the people who say, oh, he got fat. No, he's always been kind of a thick guy. I mean, you know, he's always been a thick, athletic guy. And yeah, he's not hes not running as well as he used to. He's a year older. He's in his mid-30s. Um, that happens. But uh you know, I, I I was talking with him the other day, and he said it's really it was really hard to maintain that muscle memory in my swing. And I said that's I find that really interesting. You say that because you've been hitting your whole life, shouldn't you have that muscle memory kind of you know you know kind of baked in by now? And he said, well, I but I have a whole new swing, and uh, you know he didn't really get to work on it with the coaches in the ways that would really help him keep up his back path as clean as it was last year, and. He thinks that was something that really had an impact on him. And then you add in the fact he's a year older, the fact that he's had a lot of minor injuries. So this is really the best thing for him to be on the injured list. The Giants certainly hope that he's going to be fine. I believe it's July 5th he can be activated. They can retro in a couple days. They have two days off during that span as well. They're going to face a lefty in, in, in Tarek Skubal, where he might have not played anyway um, when they open their series with Detroit uh, on what is that Tuesday? So, you know, it's, it's a good time for him to take a breath because I think that, you know, it's going to be hard for this team to really be an achieving team moving forward if they don't get Brandon Crawford to be at least a little bit of a closer version 
of his 2021 self. Maybe that doesn't come all the way back, but it can't go on the way it's going on. I think that he's too important. And so this is a good timeout for him. And, and I think it'll be really interesting to see, you know, what he looks like when he comes back. And I forget how I got on this tangent, but anyway, yeah, there we are. <laughs> uh, I just, every time I go to Brandon Crawford's baseball reference page, I'm always, I just, I just stare at the games played total on the left-hand side. Last year, he appeared in 138 games. That was the lowest in any non-pandemic season since he became a regular. It's 138 games, 147, 151, 144, 155. He has been healthy the entire time, even up into his 30s. And I think you might be right. I think just getting him a little bit of rest. And we're not expecting someone who deserves a first place MVP vote this year. I think that was always going to be a little bit of a stretch for what Brandon Crawford was capable of in his age 35 season. But something, man, because he's not, it's not just his offense. His offense isn't great. He's got a 663 OPS, but his defense, it's its not what it, it has been. It's not even that close. And that's not just eyeball test. That is baseball savant, the defensive metrics, fan graphs, even baseball reference, defensive war. It, he's not the same player that he's been defensively. And it's, the Giants need that. The Giants need that steadiness, both offensively, but especially defensively. Yeah. And, you know, that, that may be one thing that, that getting back to our early discussion about the Giants just being a little bit stale. I mean, it, I, this is not meant at all to minimize Brandon Crawford or Brandon Belt or what they've accomplished in this organization or, or how fans feel about them. But there was one comment I got to my column that I wrote. And it was, you know, I called, I said, I called my buddy and said, do you want to go to the Giants game? And he said, no, I don't want to go out there to watch Brand- the Brandons and the Randoms. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's, that's, that's very, very cleverly phrased. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're you know, they, they, these are these are still the star players that they are counting on to be their stars. They, they provided the most value last year, Brandon Belt and Brandon Crawford, and they were being relied on to, to do that again. And it almost reminds me of what happened when it all cratered under Bobby Evans and they tried to keep the top spinning and they got McCutcheon, they got Longoria, and they were counting on that core of, of Belt, Crawford, and Posey to, you know, be strong. And, and all those guys, you know, just really went in the wrong direction. And that's how I think the bottom – fell out from under this organization. So kind of funny how they got that sort of bounce last year. And and now you've got another administration that found itself kind of in the same uh, position, having to bet on Brandon Belt and Brandon Crawford uh, and, and to a lesser extent, Evan Longoria. And obviously no Buster Posey. So you, your come down is, is Joey Bart, who was, you know, so non-competitive. He had to be sent to the minors. So, um, and that, that really is another thing I think that's gone against this team from an entertainment value. The, the big, the big uh, um, draft pick, the guy you pick second overall, that normally you're just super excited as a fan to come up and 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 make his debut and contribute, et cetera, et cetera, was unwatchable. I mean, just he, he couldn't – he basically hit like a pitcher. So that really took the wind out of, I think, a lot of their sales as well. Yeah. It's hard because you can't just do the Doctor Strange thing where you start looking into the multiverse and seeing what could have happened because there is – uh, an alternate reality where you have Javier Baez starting at shortstop for the Giants and Brandon Crawford's on the Yankees or something, and Javier Baez is unwatchable. Well, he's always watchable, even when he's bad, but, you know, he might not be hitting. He's not doing so hot with the Tigers. There are different scenarios that also lead to the Giants.
giants exactly where they are with more money committed, less familiarity. And it's not like you're eager to come out and say, oh, let, let's go out into the ballpark and, and watch Javier Baez hit 200 for the Giants. Uh, no one's saying that. So I'm not exactly sure what the right answer is. There is power in familiarity. There is something to the idea of let's go out and watch the Brandons and we know what we're going to get. Uh, but boy, is it's hard to move on from it. It's hard to, it's hard to when it's not working. When Brandon Crawford is not playing like Brandon Crawford has in the past, what do you do? You don't all of a sudden say, "Well, we got to scrap this, and here's our fix, and here's uh, thirty different things we can try, and we're going to push Crawford to the side." No, you, you, it's Crawford. That's who you got. That's who people are expecting. That's who you're paying. There's no moving Brandon Crawford. There's no moving Evan Longoria right now. There's no moving Brandon Belt, even if they're playing below their standards. This is what the Giants have signed up for, and this is how they're going to succeed. But it also might be how they're going to fail. Yeah, and you know, like you play the the, the free agent hindsight game. It's fundamentally unfair. I mean, it is. And all all, uh, all things being equal, and and I, I think it's important to acknowledge that. And, and you just look at uh, here's a list of names. All right, I'm going to give you a list of names. You yeah. tell me what they have in common. Ready? Yes. Martin Martin Perez, Adolis Garcia, Jonah Heim, Brock Burke, Dennis Santana, Eli White, Dane Dunning. Ooh. Uh, they got some Rangers in them. Yeah, they're all Rangers, and they're all Rangers that have contributed more war than Marcus Simeon this year. <laughs> <laughs> Eli oh. White and Jonah Heim, yeah, have done more than uh, than Marcus Simeon. They gave Marcus Simeon, they backed up the truck for him. And Corey Seager got off to a really bad start too, but he's starting to at least uh, play a little bit better. He's, his OBP is finally over 300. But yeah, Simeon's hitting 227 with seven home runs, and he's... You know, got a 635 OPS, you know, and um, and and they gave him, I, I don't have it in front of me, but it was a lot of money. Checks notes, a lot of money. And that's a move that totally would have made sense for the Giants, right? You'd be super excited if they'd signed Marcus Simeon in the offseason. Uh, Corey Seager, is, he's got a 727 OPS. Uh, that's a 108 OPS plus. Uh, he is still 28, but let's see, that contract was 10 years $325 million. If Corey Seager is a 727 OPS guy for the remainder of his contract, boy howdy, is that not going to work out very well for the Rangers. And yes, I would have been thrilled to see Corey Seager on the Giants in some capacity. And it's 69 games into his Rangers career, so let's not make too much of it. But, you know, it's it's always that free agent hindsight. Well, they could have done this with their money. There are so many different ways to get a Barry Zito on a roster without the 2012 redemption. It's just free agency is such a boondoggle, but it's so exciting. It's just it, I love those empty calories. So I don't know what the right answer is. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, there's a reason that the winter meetings are made into the giant, the biggest pseudo event in sports, basically. And <laughs> um, and and hey, you know what though? They they weren't able to have them because of the lockout. They were supposed to be in Orlando, so they saved me from flying all the way to Orlando. And now the winter meetings this offseason get to be in San Diego. So once again, the answer is how does this affect my life? And uh, it does affect my life in a positive way because I didn't have to go to Orlando. And instead, I'll get to go to San Diego. So all good. Looking forward to your winter meetings. Let's go. Winter meetings are in San Diego this year? They are. They are, in fact. I will see you there. Awesome. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Just because, uh, listen, San Diego is a a delightful town and I enjoy it. And uh, the last, the only winter meetings, no, I've been to winter meetings in Vegas, but uh, one of the other ones was in San Diego 
And in the winter, they they had this hotel that I stayed at. It wasn't the Marriott. It wasn't anything attached to the winter meetings, but it was uh, above a bourbon bar that had a billion different bourbons. And I just would go in there after milling about and talking to people and I would write and drink. Uh, oh, let me try this one. It's a 12 year from, uh, I don't know, Denver. I don't know what this is. And uh, that was that was one of my favorite all time travel for work experiences. So I invite you to join me. So you drank your paycheck? check that week basically oh yeah oh yeah uh, <laughs> this is we stopped recording right we stopped recording um, oh yes yes we have well this makes sense this, the, the, when i think back to your off-season trade article where you said the giants should acquire pappy van winkle this makes all the sense <laughs> in the world pappy van winkle had uh 32 wins for the rochester redbirds in, in 1886 everyone remembers that all right this has been episode 195 of the bags and brisby podcast uh, programming note, we have this Thursday off because of a vacation day, and we have uh, next Monday off because of the 4th of July holiday, so we will be back next Thursday. We should have a, uh, a bounty of content to talk about, so we will see you then, and thanks so much for listening.